Welcome to all those joining us for Chaim Aran today, Erev Hanukkah, Tov Shin Pei Gimel, an auspicious day. I want to take this opportunity to wish everybody a wonderful Lichtige Hanukkah. We should be zeichet to, to believe and experience, to believe in and experience the great light and brachas of this awesome holiday. We're continuing in Chaim Aran. We dedicate the learning today for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Chavivachana Bazgalia, Yerachmiel Yisrael Doiv Ben Fumit Nechama, Yuspehendel Basgitaleya, Sorochel Bas Yuspendel, Avivivana Bas Yuspendel, Yehuda Gorariya Ben Bernice, Chavaliba Bas Miramidvoira, Soraleya Bas Chavaliba, Jonas Ben Hilda, Shira Dvoira Bas Miriam, Avigail Brocha Bas Shira Dvoira, Baruch Mordechai Ben Tali, David Leib Ben Shena, Yaakov Yehoshua Ben Freindel Rechel, Shlamanisim Ben Mazla, from David Ben Chana, Hindachasa Bas Chana, Yitganendel Bas Sipoira, Eliyahu Yehoshua Ben Rochel, Eitan Yol Ben Etna, Tov Yitzvi Ben Chayaliza, Besoich Shar Choyli Yisrael. We're up to paragraph Chof Hei in this section of Chaim Aran, which deals with the Sichoi Sashayochem Latoros. And Rab Nelson Zal now speaks about chapter 60 in Likud Aran, which is one of the outstanding Rosh Hashanah Torahs that Rab Nezal said, which begins with the words, Posach Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoyezal opened up and said incredible things in the Zohar Kodesh. Rav Nosenzal writes that after Rav completed that shear, he said jokingly that today I said three things that are different from what, what, what the world says. The world says that stories are good to put people to sleep. And I say that stories are the most powerful thing to inspire and wake people up from spiritual sleep. Number two, people say that from talking, a woman isn't going to become pregnant. From zogen vetmenitrogen in Yiddish. And I said that when tzaddikim speak and they, they inspire people to come out of their spiritual sleep, this leads to women that are barren being able to have children. And in that chapter, chapter 16, we could him run, Rabbi Nezal has a major piece regarding this topic. We know that on Rosh Hashanah in the morning, we read the portion in the Torah of Hashem Pokades Sora, where Hashem blessed Sora Imenu at the age of 90 years old to be able to have her first child, Yitzhak Avinu. And the third item, people say, that the true tzaddik, who's really on the highest level, doesn't need to have a lot of money. What, what does he need money for? And I said that there is a level of Torah, there's something called his blinanus ha a certain very deep level of Torah, which requires the entire wealth of the entire world in order to be zeichet to that high-level Torah. In the beginning of that chapter, Likut Imran, Rabbi Nezal speaks about this, and we find Rabbi Nezal tells us in Likut Yalochis that this will explain why it is that when the Jews were leaving Egypt, Hashem pleaded with them 
to borrow from their Egyptian neighbors all of their gold and silver and to, to clean out Egypt from all of its great wealth at the time. That was the first round. And then there was a second round. The, the gold and silver that the Egyptians had not turned over, they took with them when they would go out to war as a sign of confidence that they're definitely going to be victorious. They would bedeck their horses and their chariots with gold and all kinds of expensive things to show that we're going out. We're not afraid that we're going to lose anything. Not only are we we're showing our wealth, but we're going to we're going to acquire all the wealth. We're going to succeed in defeating our enemies completely. And the Torah tells us that the wealth that the Jews received at the splitting of the Red Sea, all of that Egyptian wealth, when the Egyptians drowned, was even greater than what they got during the first time. So now Rav Nassau asks, what was all of this wealth needed for? And the answer is, they were headed for Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, a 50-day journey where they would receive the Torah on Har Sinai. And we know that the number 50 represents Bina, the 50 gates of Bina. This was going to be an incredible revelation of the Hizboinanus HaTorah, which Rabbi Nezal speaks about in that chapter in the Kudaran, which requires tremendous wealth. And this was the wealth that they took out of Mitzrayim. This was, in a sense, a physical keli with which to be able to receive this Hizboinanus HaTorah, this very high level of Torah. Rabbi Nazal introduces the topic over there in the Kutimran by saying that just as the Mishnah says in Turkey, that if a person doesn't have basic parnasa, then they can't really study Torah freely. So too, if a person wants to achieve the highest levels of Torah, it requires tremendous wealth. Now, Reb Nachman Shirin, who organized Chayamaran, writes, I heard in the name of one of Rabbein students who actually heard from Rabbein the fact that he wanted his Sefer Sipure Maisius to be printed in Yiddish, which was the colloquial language, the language that was most common in, in their part of Europe at the time. So that, Rabbi Nezal said, so that it would be easy for a woman who is barren, who wants to have children and hasn't had any children, she'll read a story, and through this, she'll be blessed with, with children. And again, we see, we see a source for this in this chapter of Likud Imran, chapter 60, where Rabbi Nezal explains how Sipure Maisius is what can help bring about this Pekida Sakoris. The next paragraph, Chafa of 26, Rav Nusanzar writes that during the winter of the year 5,565, Rabbi traveled to the city of Medvedevka for Shabbat to deliver his shear as he did usually. And at that time, his daughter Chaya who lived in Medvedica, had a terrible problem with her eyes. She had cataracts in her eyes to the point where she was almost blinded by it. And when Rabbi Nassau arrived in Medvedica, he heard about this, and the shear that he gave then was chapter 62 in Likud Imran, 
Vayasev Elokim Esaom Derech Hamidbar Yamsuf, which is related to Shabashira, it's related to the topic of Kriyas Yamsuf. And in that shir, Rabbein Azal quotes the Zohar Kodesh, which describes the Shekhinah, the divine spirit of Hashem, as Ulimto Shapirto Delesna Ainen, a beautiful maiden that has no eyes. So that Rabbein Azal in the Shir spoke about the eyes. And as a result of this, his daughter was healed, was cured. When Rabbein Azal returned home back to Breslov, Rav Nosenzal says, Rabbein Azal told me this story by the enthusiasm which he told it, that this was a major, major thing to Rabbein Azal, that he was so happy that, that he was able to bring about a cure for his daughter through his words of Torah. And Rav Nosenzal is here because everything that his holy children experienced had major ramifications, and, and there were many deep, hidden things related to it. We know that anyone who's at a higher level, whatever they experience, doesn't just relate to them, but it relates to a much further circle. Just like by Paro's dream, we're going to be reading this coming Shabbos, we're going to be reading Parshas Miketz about Paro's dream, and it's broad that because he was a king, because he was a person of such importance, his dream, when he dreamed, it wasn't a personal thing, but rather a thing that related to his whole country or to the whole world at the time. Paragraph Chavzayin, the chapter on Ikutimran, chapter 63 in Ikutimran, which begins with the words, Soid Kavona Samila, the secret behind the Kabbalistic explanations that the Arizal gives, that the Sifrei Kabbalah give, regarding the mitzvah of bris milah. This, this shear was given in the morning before the, before the morning meal on Shabbos, prior to the bris milah of Rabbein son, Reb Shlomo Ephraim, in the year 5565, which was close to Rishchidosh Nisan, after the majority of people who had come for the Shalom Zohar left, we know there's a custom among Jews, I believe it's an Ashkenazi custom, it's brought in Toysvis in the Gemara, that when a baby boy is born, the Friday night before the bris, people gather to the house and, and, and sing, sing songs, make brachos, speak divrei Torah, and there's a variety of reasons given as to why this is done. One of the reasons is that the Gemara tells us that a child, during the nine months or seven months that the child is in the mother's womb, it has an angel teaching it Torah. When the child is about to come into this world, the angel flicks it above the lip. That's the indentation that we see there. And the child forgets everything it learned during that period of time. So as a consolation, imagine the tremendous loss that the child feels. As a consolation, people gather and they, they sing, they speak divrei Torah, they make brachos to console this child over his loss. This is one of the reasons it's brought. There's a sefer, Taimei Hamenhogim, a famous sefer, that provides a number of reasons from different sources for this custom.
So after most of the people had left, Rav Nelson Zal says, I and a few close friends remained standing in front of Rav Nelson and he took a look at my shoe, which had become very crooked, meaning the heel of the shoe somehow got twisted and was facing towards the front of the shoe. And Rav Nelson made a, a joke, sort of. He said, your shoe looks like somebody who got slapped in the face. In Yiddish, this is how Rabbi Nezal said it. Then he was quiet. And we definitely believe that every word that came out of his mouth was very significant and there were very deep secrets in it. As Rabbi Nezal mentions that, that concept in chapter 42 in Likudimran. Then Rabbi Nezal commented and said, our our ordinary talk, and, and the word our, he said very slowly, implying that our ordinary talk is very, very significant. We know that the Gemara says, that when a Talmud Chacham is speaking, and it doesn't appear in an obvious way to be words of Torah, study his words carefully because of the fact that he is so involved in Torah, anything he says will have a connection to Torah. Then Rabbi Nezal said, let a mekubal say how in this sentence that I just said is included all of the kavonis, all of the kabbalistic kavonis of Mila, and even what's higher than those kavonis. And then Rav Nassim says, Rav started shooting with, with a beautiful grace. He said, the Gemara says, there's a concept of the tofach loyal ponov. He slapped him in the face. The word tofach means to slap. And then the Gemara also uses a terminology, the tofach loy besandaloy. He slapped him on his sandal. And then talking about a sandal, the Gemara talks about a person that if a person wants to marry a widow, he has to be careful to make sure that she's not pregnant from her first husband, because if she'll become pregnant now from the second husband, the child might push out. The, the, the two children inside of this woman could clash and one could push the other one and flatten them like a sandal. And then Rabbi Nezal also mentioned what the Gemara says in a different place, the Gemara speaks about Drusasish, and then the Gemara says, that which humility, compared to humility, it's like the heel of the foot, compared to the compared to Chachma, it's a crown on its head. I'm sorry, what, what humility, what compared to humility is like the heel of the foot, which is Yiras Hashem, Compared to Chachma, it's the crown on its head. Reishis Chachma Yiras Hashem. We're told that Yiras Hashem is Reishis Chachma. It's above Chachma. And at the same time, there's a pasuk, Ekev Anova Yiras Hashem. That Yiras Hashem is like the heel of the foot compared to Anova. And in each one of these statements, it was all related to the heel of the foot, the sandal, this concept of smacking in the face. 
And all of this, all of this is also related to the concept of pigama bris, a person has to shown committing sins in the area of purity between the relationship between men and women, and tikunabris, which is all part of this major subject of mila, which is one of the highest forms of tikunabris. Rabbein Azal said, a Jew who has a bris mila is already entering into the category of tzaddik. And then Rabbein Azal went on to give that shear that's documented in chapter 63 in Likutim Aran. Rav Nassau points out, but we don't really understand it because that chapter in Likutim Aran doesn't seem to flow as smoothly as other chapters. We, it's, it's difficult a little bit to see the connections between the different pieces that Rabbein Azal presents there. And not only that, but he doesn't really explain each piece but rather it was said as Ramaz and that hints. But Rav Nosenzal says, through all of this, we were able to see how in, the, in an ordinary statement of a true tzaddik are hidden incredible secrets. And may Rav Nosenzal adds a prayer, may Hashem bless us to be able to see and understand the wonders that are found in this, in this Torah. We have a commentary, one of the commentaries, Reb Nachman Shirin, who was one of the most learned students of Reb Nosenzal, and he was outstanding in all parts of Torah. And in his commentary, Parporais Lechachman, this Torah, he does make a serious attempt to explain quite a number of things in that chapter on Likud Imran. So it's not left completely vague, but it's one of the deeper chapters of Likud Imran. Now, Rav Nachman Shirin adds over here, I heard that after Rabbi Nezal completed that shir, some of the people there were asking him questions because they weren't able to understand it that well, and they weren't able to understand how the pieces connected together. And Rabbi Nezal said, <clears throat> whose fault is it that you don't have a clear understanding of such spiritual things. <clears throat> Implying that not everybody has the same abilities, the same capabilities to be able to understand things that are on, on this level. Continuing paragraph 28, this is based on the chapter on the Kutimran, chapter 65, which was said in the summer of the year 5,566, around the time when Rabbi Nezal's son, Rabbi Shlomo Ephraim, who we mentioned earlier, passed away. Rabbi Nezal writes that he and his close friend, Rabbi Naftali Zal, were standing with Rabbi Nezal on the upper floor of his house, and Rabbi Nezal started describing to them the tremendous pain and suffering that he's going through <coughs> from all sides. And Rabbein Azal elaborated on it because Rabbein Azal writes, Rabbein Azal had a tremendous amount of suffering, both from family, from outside, from everywhere, from all sides, all the time. He was going through tremendous, tremendous struggles and difficulties. And while he was talking about this, he said, what do you know 
about how great a loss this is to the world, the, the passing away of this child. My, my entire heart is shattered. And then Rabbi started crying. The tears started flowing down his cheeks. And Rabbi says, we immediately walked away. We couldn't, we, we, we felt so ashamed and embarrassed standing there to wa- watching him cry to the point where it, we, we felt like the whole world was falling apart. That was the feeling. <coughs> and Rabbi adds here that there's another place where he hints a little bit to the great hope that Rabbi Nezal had for Klal Yisrael, had that child not passed away. And this is actually a reference to the Sefer Yemei Maranat, Rabbi biography, which is included in the book Through Fire and Water. The book Through Fire and Water, Boeshu Bamayim, is actually a combination of about 10 different sources piecing together Rabnosanzal's life. But here I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote a little bit from this Sefer Yemei Maranat. Rabnosanzal says that on Sunday, the fifth of Av, which happens to be the Arizal's yard site, my Rebbe Reb Michal's yard site, Rabnosanzal writes, we heard from Rabbeinazal the entire order of what's going to take place before Moshiach comes. And Rabbeinazal said that it was already, it was already the time within a few years that Moshiach is ready to come. And Rabbeinazal said he knows what ye, which year, which month, and which day Moshiach is expected to come. However, now he's definitely not going to come at that time. And Rabnosanzal says we understood that the postponement was because of the fact that this child, Rab Shleim Ephraim, had passed away. Rabnosanzal says, I also, Rabbeinazal had also mentioned this to me earlier. Then he mentions that another time, on another occasion, also on a Sunday, we were traveling with Rabbeinazal. And we accompanied him when he left, till he left the city of Ladijan in one of his travels. And when he left, we sat on the wagon with him. This is Rav Nosanzal and Rav Naftalizal. And then again, Rav went over the secret that, that's written in the Sefer Megillah's Storim, the, the Megillah of, of hidden things. Rav says things that were never, ever heard before, meaning the entire order of what's going to take place leading up to the coming of Moshiach. And Rav Nosanzal writes that it was written down in this Sefer Megillah story only in code, in tremendous code, only Roshet Tevas, no, no, hardly any complete world, words, mostly Roshet Tevas. And, and there's a warning there not to, not to publish this, not to make any copies of this, even though it's written in such hint, and in addition that it's forbidden to reveal what's written there. Rav Nosanzal writes, unfortunately, a lot of what was said was forgotten immediately and was not even written down. Because this incident took about two hours. Rav Nosanzal spoke for about two hours. And he warned us not to speak about this. 
And if we write it down, to write it down only in code. What Rav Nilsen Zal writes, unfortunately, the majority of this was forgotten because it wasn't written down immediately. Afterwards, it says what they heard an, a second time from Rav Nizal, several years later. This was on an Arab Shabbos, on a Friday, the 8th of Av, of the year 5,516. This is a little more than a year before Rabbeinazal passed away. And it concludes there that after Rabbeinazal told this the first time, he came to us with tremendous joy. And I'm sorry, we were extremely excited and happy about this. And then Rabbeinazal left on his way. Afterwards, when Rabbeinazal returned home, we told him that we were so happy that we were privileged to hear this. And Rabbeinazal said he was also very, very happy that he got to tell this over. And Rabbeinazal says, I said to Rabbeinazal, it's true, it's, it's beautiful, but when is this going to be? And Rabbeinazal said, just being able to tell it over is something very, very special. The fact that this was put into words that were said in this world, something that was so, so hidden till now. Rav Nusen Zal writes how fortunate, how lucky we are that we got to hear these hidden secrets which were never heard before. And here we see in parentheses that after Rav Nusen Zal's passing away, these writings were and we don't know exactly where they are. Chaval al woe is to this document that's lost. There is a little bit of information known about this, that the brother-in-law of Rabbi Avram Rabbi Nachman, Rabalta Tepliker, was one of those who had a copy of this. And at one point, my Rebbe, Rabbi Michal Dorfman, when he was in Russia, had a copy of this. This is during communist times. And because of the fact that he was afraid of he didn't know what was going to be, when communism was going to end, and if he was going to survive it or not, he did give it over to somebody. And this, this Megillah Storim did get out of Russia to Eretz Yisrael. There are people that have copies of it. It's, it's about four or five pages. But again, it's all written in Russia Tevis. It's almost impossible to make any clear sense of it. There's someone who came out with a book recently, an English book. This person got hold of a copy of this, I believe, and made an attempt to decipher it. I, I believe the person is not a Breslavery, some kind of a college professor who tried to decipher this Megillah storm. We hope and pray we're, we're approaching Hanukkah. Hanukkah is an eight-day holiday, and eight represents Olam Haba. Eight represents the coming of Mashiach. We hope and pray that we'll be zeicha, we'll be zeicha, by performing the mitzvahs of this yantif with simcha, by lighting these candles to be these candles, these the thirty six candles which correspond to the thirty six hours in the beginning of creation, the 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 Shabbos, the day of Shabbos, and twelve hours of Friday when during the the day when Adam Rishon was created when we're told that there was an incredible light in the world for those 36 hours, and then Moitzoi Shabbos, Saturday night, it was hidden away. 
And we're told that these 36 candles that we're going to be lighting on Hanukkah are a taste of that great light, which is reserved for the future. We should be zeche, that in the merit of all the great tzaddikim and in the merit of the, the mitzvahs that Klal Yisrael does, to get to see the coming of Moshiach, the building of the third final Beis HaMikdosh, we didn't, we just started this story about that Rav Nosson Zal and Rav Naftali Zal were standing there with Rav Nosson Rav Nosson cried and they left. We'll continue this in Yitzhak Shembalin Eder the following Sunday. And again, I believe it's the eighth day of Hanukkah. I hope we will have a shear and the shear will be like today. It'll be earlier. It'll be 9 a.m. American time, 4 o'clock Eretz Yisrael time for 30 minutes. It's a shame. Great Lechem Hanukkah, Rav Nosson. Thank you so much. Great Lechem Hanukkah to all.